Good morning. Welcome to our conversation today about fitness. Dawn and I have very, very different ways of looking at fitness. And one of the things we're going to discuss is obviously how you can overcome the feeling that we all may have at different times about this word called fitness. It's brilliant. We're going to talk about how to overcome self-sabotage, change beliefs about fitness, particularly when it comes to physical fitness, which is really Dawn's speciality and Dawn's area rather than mine. My area is preferably sort of around the mental and the spiritual side of fitness. So between us, we're both going to chat through some ideas on how to develop both physical and mental fitness. Yeah, good morning. Sounds like a packed show, doesn't it, Barbara? <laughs> uh, and it's a particularly relevant subject um, for a few reasons, not least statistically. You know, it was only last quarter that we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and 70% of us still list getting fit as one of our top five New Year resolutions. But interestingly, by the end of January, it's supposedly a fact that 90% of us have abandoned those New Year resolutions, which is kind of shocking. So now we're entering the second quarter of the year, and we've forgotten all about our resolutions, but our thoughts are turning to fitness again, because before long, we're going to be peeling off our clothes and bearing our white bodies under the summer sunshine. Well, that's true for those of us who live in the Northern Hemisphere. Of course, those in the Southern Hemisphere yeah. are going to be looking for what they need to do in winter to keep the yeah. fitness levels up. So to kick off, no pun intended, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start the ball rolling. So let's, oh, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how many sporting analogies we can score in this match. I mean, show. Okay. Do I? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ask Dawn to answer several readers' questions, which have the same sort of theme running through them. And one of them is how to get over their dislike of exercise despite being worried about those niggly aches or weight gains. Edward Stanley said, those who think that they have not time for bodily exercise will sooner or later find out that they've got time for illness. And actually, we want to all avoid that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, it is a, a, one of life's truisms. Uh, we put it off and we put it off. And whether it's dieting or fitness, we always think we're going to start tomorrow. But there is no tomorrow. And interestingly, in last month's show, if you'd asked me that question, I probably would only have talked about how I could handle it from my own perspective um, or how I would help um, a client from a coaching perspective. Um, but this month, as you know, Barbara, just two days ago, I got back from a Nordic walking instructor course. Uh, so I can now see it from a much wider perspective, uh, which means um, ultimately I'm going to be supporting clients who struggle with levels of fitness and weight management to keep fit um, in much more enjoyable ways. So we'll talk about that as well. Well, that sounds great, but it's not only obviously from the keep fit side, Dawn, that you're looking at. It's also from the um, holistic health side. So yeah, that, that's yeah. a rounded package if somebody's coming to talk to you about their um, health generally. But let me ask you an interesting question that came up. I was asked, why does the word fitness conjure up negativity? Mm. And it does. Uh, it really does for, for so many people. It's a major source of self-sabotage. Well, um, very recently there was some statistics produced. Um, it just said UK research, and I couldn't actually find out who did it, but essentially what they were saying is we're all supposed to do 30 minutes a day activity. And what that activity is, is going to be different for, for different people. Yet, only 6% of men and 4% of women actually achieve that level of fitness. So 30 minutes a day, five to seven times a week. Now, you know, that's not a great deal. But the truth is that 30% of men and 38% of women are actually only achieving less than one 30-minute session of activity every single week. So I think it's proof positive 
that it is something that has got major negative connotations. Um, so to answer our general listeners' questions about self-sabotage and um, how do they overcome this, probably worth just sharing a little bit about uh, my own story because I also had the dreaded word exercise that I wasn't able to conquer. Uh, it was the weak link in my health protocol. Um, and essentially, when I hit... 50, or just before I hit 50, I, I rem remember that on my sort of um, bucket list, for want of a better word, I had said I was going to run a marathon. And I had always had sort of romantic visions of being one of these, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, inspiring um, veterans who, you know, were quoted in magazines like, 86 years old, had run 30 marathons, didn't start till they were 50 sort of thing. So I, it was something I kept putting off and putting off. Um, but the truth is, every year it gets a little bit harder to, you know, get active after a long, cold, damp winter. And for me, I was a fair weather exerciser. I would go out cycling with the family, I'd go swimming, uh, rambling, you know, we've got dogs, so we're always out and about. But in terms of exercise, there is absolutely no way. I'd never wear Lycra, never go to the gym. It has all these Jane Fonda, no pain, no gain type of connotations, doesn't it? And most of us don't want that, so we, we resist it. But I decided at nearly 50, I would um, do a marathon. And um, the only way I could get myself in that mindset was to stop thinking about it as exercise. Uh, so one of the things I did was I became very educated about exercise. I was educated about nutrition, but exercise I'd always kind of ignored. Um, and a really interesting quote that stayed with me was, um, athletes don't exercise they train for an event. So immediately just rephrasing the word from exercise to training shifted my attitude towards the task. Um, I also realized that whilst it's kind of a shame that you know we have goals about losing weight, getting healthy, etc., those goals aren't really big enough, Barbara. You know, we don't do it for ourselves. But doing something like a marathon, particularly the London Marathon, which has such an iconic um, status and atmosphere, you tend to do it for other people. So it was only when I was lucky enough to get into the London Marathon and start raising money. When that money started coming through in the Just Giving account, it built in another thing, which was accountability. So changing the word from exercise to training for an event, uh, to having a goal that was bigger than myself and my own needs to get fit, so running the London Marathon, uh, and believe me, that is a massive goal, um, <laughs> and then building in the accountability of having people that believed in you um, and you were bringing in money, so you were raising money for a good cause, that kind of turned my whole philosophy around exercise. So having avoided it for, you know, since school days, partly because of school days, but partly because my father was an athlete, so I was dragged, as a child, I was dragged around every weekend from race meeting to different tracks, and it's just so boring. And then when you get older, obviously you're, you know, sorting out your own life, aren't you? You're, you've got a career, uh, you're having um, children, and I don't know, some, somehow in your 20s and your 30s, it just doesn't seem relevant. But as you hit your 40s, you start to realize that actually it's a bit like an insurance policy. You need to start doing something in order to be mobile in your old age, which is why I had this goal at 50. I was going to be fitter, healthier, happier, sexier, more toned, etc., and, and comfortable in my own skin than I ever was before, hence the marathon. So since then, I've done a couple of marathons and a couple of half marathons because I just 
don't see it as exercise anymore. I'm training for an event, I'm doing it for myself, and I'm doing it for raising money. So that's kind of my own personal experience. But obviously, how I handle it with my clients is a little bit different. Um, so I think that, well, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on why it has such a negative perception? Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, I know, obviously, you know, we've been friends for years and I, I know, yeah. you know, why you sort of looked at the marathons and um, all the training you did and how you looked at it. But, you know, if I'm looking at it from my perspective, <clears throat> it's an interesting one because, <clears throat> excuse me, I, if somebody said to me, you know, oh, let's go and run a marathon, I have to say, um, why? Even though there's that opportunity to raise money and to do something differently and to create an event, you know, I'm then going to say, but can I please go and do a photography event or, you know, can I do something different? Mm -hmm. it, it's obviously for me, if somebody says the word fitness or, <clears throat> you know, brings that in, I don't, I just have that complete mental block about that particular yeah. word. And actually, yeah. you know, it brings up the mental side of, of fitness because mentally we are bombarded with fitness centers, gyms who talk about getting fit. Yeah. And and I wonder sometimes whether these words that have a bigger meaning and a bigger generic meaning because they're used in branding yeah. actually bombard us with something that isn't right. And of course mentally yeah. then we we stop it. We we just cut it out. We just don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, like those statistics um, report, you know, mm. only 6 and 4% of us are actually achieving 30 minutes of activity a week. It seems crazy. I mean, I read, uh, as I said to you, you know, one of the things I did was get very educated about um, keeping fit. Yeah. Uh, I was happy to use the word training, keeping fit, working out, but the word exercise just makes me, you know, want to run away. Uh, and one of the, the really um, turning points for me was reading uh, Chris McDonald's book, Born to Run. Now, whether you ever run uh, a marathon or even 100 yards is neither here nor there. It's a fantastic book. It explains how the body, uh, the human body, has evolved to be on the move. We were designed to run. Uh, and be very, very active. And of course, in the 21st century, we're just not, are we? We live very uh, sedate, quiet lives. We're, we're sat in the car on the way to work. We're sat in the office for the majority of us. And then we're shattered and sit in front of the TV for escapism. So we're going against, um, you know, our, our natural physiology. We are supposed to be active people. So just learning that kind of thing was very helpful to me. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working with clients, the way that I help them overcome their dislike, and let's face it, Barbara, their lack of time yes. to exercise, because that's another big issue, isn't it? The lack Absolutely. of time. We first need to accept that everything that we do, and we know this as coaches, we work very hard with our clients to get our clients yeah. to realize everything we do is of our own choosing. Um, it's about priority, so there's no blame. The past is the past. You know, if they didn't work out like me in the past, that's fine. It's all about moving on. Yes. It's the future. Um, so the second thing is time management. Now, we all have 168 hours a week. So if we take away the 40 hours that most of us work and the 40 hours that most of us sleep, etc., and, you know, maybe another um, 20 hours or so for all the other stuff, you know, we've still got a lot of time. Um, so it's interesting when you break it down like this for a client in terms of where does all their time go, that actually, you know, maybe we don't need to spend four hours a night watching TV. We could spend three and have that hour for working out. Because let's face it, if President Obama, who runs the largest country in the world, can find one hour a day to work out, surely the rest of us can manage it too. But, you know, that brings up another question, Dawn. It really does. And, you know, you're talking about working out. You're talking about President Obama doing one hour a day. And that's a physical, structured fitness workout program. Yeah, and I accept he's got all the help in the world that we don't have. Exactly. Like, you know, he's got the gym set up. He's got the things yeah. he wants to do. He's got the people around him. Yeah. 
Um, And I mean, some of this obviously costs money and people don't always have the money. But what I don't understand when people sort of get into this fitness thing, uh, and as as I talked earlier, I mean, I don't know whether these these words now are being used in a branding capacity that sort of changed the meaning of the word. But why aren't things like, you know, walks on the beach, which can be very strenuous on your calf muscles, you know, if the sand's a little bit soft and you're walking down towards the edge of the water and you go for a, you know, a two mile stroll along the beach or you stroll through the countryside, because let's be Mm. fair, we both live in beautiful countryside. And, you know, why can't that be considered, in inverted commas, fitness? Why can't I do that for half an hour a day? Why do I have to feel that to get fit, I need to go to a gym, I need to have a structured program? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very valid question. And you and I, as you say, we come at it from different aspects because I do actually quite like um, keeping fit now uh, in the traditional sense of running, you know, whether it's outside or on the treadmill. And I do have my own gym, so I do work out. But in today's um, environment, I mean, literally, I think we are the couch potato generation now. Uh, So things like walking, swimming, gardening, walking the dogs, walking on the beach, they have to be seen as regular, moderate exercise. Um, I think you're right, you know, with the the branding of traditional gym-type stuff, fitness, it is seen as very hard, um, very sweaty, um, very time-consuming, etc., and that does make people run a mile. So, Ooh. as far as I'm well, concerned, walk, actually walk, Dawn. They don't run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, run, yeah, they walk a mile. I, I, I am with you. I do believe walking is, um, you know, the future. Because having done two marathons. I've said to my family, shoot me if I ever consider a third one, because it takes a huge amount of time in preparation. I mean, I remember, you know, last January running in the snow and having to step up to three hours on a regular basis out there running. Most people don't have three and four hours. And then you've got your recovery downtime and different types of exercises to do to keep your muscles Uh, so that your next run you were you know injury free and so on we don't have that kind of time so if the couch potato generation will embrace walking and I think walking is really of its time right now Um, you know a lot of people have dogs a lot of people and we'll talk about the mind body spirit connection uh, a bit later in the program they are absolutely getting to grips with the benefits of being out in nature, breathing fresh air, and walking. So I think that will become, um, and I can say this having just done a Nordic walking uh, course, (laughs) walking seems to be becoming more and more popular. And the diehards who perhaps, like me, don't want to do another marathon, want to have really strenuous walking, then Nordic walking is uh, a really good compromise. I mean, I, I remember uh, I remember the days, yeah. sorry, I remember the days in London, you know, when I used to commute to London and I did it for, yeah. I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Um, I used to walk with a heavy briefcase, you know, a good yeah. 30, 35, 40 minutes to work and then uh-huh. back again. Yeah. But uh-huh. I can remember, you know, in those days um, when you went to see you know, the medical practitioners or, or you went down to you know, talk to somebody um, who had your health in their interests and they would say to you, no, 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 that's not good enough. You need to do the gym. So, mm-hmm. you know, where we where we look at these stats of sort of people who are supposed to do 30 minutes stay activity, yet only 6% of, of men do it and 4% of women achieve it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why I suppose I'm asking these questions. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. that 30 minutes that I used to walk or 45, depending on where my, my clients were, I used mm-hmm. to walk. Why would that be considered exercise? Well, personally, I think it is, Barbara. Um, you know, I don't think it really matters, and we can talk about activities and, mm. and choices about what people do, but I don't think it really matters as long as you're raising your heart level for at mm. least 20 minutes, whether it's walking up and down your hill with your dog or whether it's on the beach or swimming or, like you, you're a very keen gardener. You get a lot of keep fit from your yeah. gardening. That's very physical. Um, 
not something I do. I don't think it matters. I don't think it should matter what you do. Um, but I think you have to do something five to six times a week that raises your heart level. Not least because we know if you do, your risk reduction uh, in terms of diseases increase dramatically when you're active. So for instance, you're less likely, 68% less likely, that's as a minimum, it can go up to 68%, you know, you're less likely to get hip fractures, you're less likely to yeah. get colon cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, but you're also less likely, again, linking into this mind-body spirit thing, you're 20 to 30% less likely to be depressed. Yeah. So I don't think it matters what you do as long as you get out there and do something. And if the weather's inclement and you can't, you can still do something inside. I mean, in my office, I've got a rebounder, I've got a hula hoop, <laughs> I've got weights, and I've got a skipping rope. You know, so we can still do something. Dawn, you're, you're just on a different wavelength to all of us. <laughs> I don't have any of that in my study. <laughs> In fact, well, in fact, I can I, I use it? <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the picture of my dogs lying on my rebounder. You know, it's, it acts like a little table sometimes, or they're sleeping on it. But my intention is there. Okay, I don't use it as often as I should, but it's there reminding me, you know, improve your circulation, stop sitting at the office so often. Uh, office maybe. Actually, maybe that's the message we should be we should be focusing on, Dawn, is the fact that do something, whatever it, it makes sense for you. Because, you know, you were talking about people have 168 hours a week, 40 hours for work. Yeah. A lot of people work a lot more than that. 40 hours for sleep. Yeah, that's about a good average, you know, across the week. And it leaves plenty of time for exercise. But I remember doing time management courses and time management workout, uh, workshops where I was presenting them and, and talking to people about how they time manage. And, you know, people were talking about, oh, there's a little bit of wasted time in my week. Yes, I could do it. Maybe I shouldn't watch so much TV. But then, of course, there's also the balance from the mental side that says if you are constantly busy all the time, you're actually not allowing your mental capacity to relax. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... I know we always criticize TV and we say people shouldn't watch so much of it, but I can remember coming back from my days in, in the city of London when I used to work there and actually enjoying some sort of meaningless hours TV because yeah. it just helped me yeah. sort of break out of it. And because yeah. you do that, yes, I understand that a lot of people just carry on sitting there. But also yeah. there's the security side. I mean, people with, with children's day, you know, as a child – Growing up in the middle of, of Central Africa, as I did, um, and I know, you know, even listening to my brother talking about his two children who, who were born in the UK and, and grew up in Australia, you know, there's always this worry about what children are doing and, and the, the sort of environment around them. So I'm wondering whether because we grew up being allowed to go and play outside and not really being worried about if you were out with your friends, you know, because it was a completely different mindset of, of um, uh, the population then and the people around. And, of course, today you've got this, oh, something might happen or, you know, they might get injured or whatever. You know, there's a lot of negative thought about kids being around. Is that where this catch potato um, challenge is coming from? Because kids are being encouraged to be inside and play on a PC or an iPad or a Game Boy or something like that, rather than I'm sure you're right. yeah. get out and play. So, of course, yeah. if, if you've got that whole generation, you've been brought up with no PE at school, no sports at school, no encouragement to get outside. How do we how do we get it to them? Well, we, we're going to have to. That's the bottom line, Barbara, because, you know, the obesity levels, the diabetes, the heart yeah. issues, yeah. the colon issues, you know, these are these are diseases we've always had but never on such a scale. So the fact is that we've got fat children who are likely to have type 2 diabetes because of their diet and their inactivity, dying before their parents. That's the first time we've ever seen this. So we have to do something. Now, if we take where we live in rural France, there aren't a lot of gyms, are there? No. Um, no. You, know, you don't walk down every high street, uh, not that there are many high streets, but you don't walk down every high street and see gyms the way that we do uh, when you're in living in towns in England. And yeah. that's because 
most of our land around us is uh, rural, agricultural. I mean, it's not unheard of to see an 80-year-old women hauling bales of hay. They all lift logs in yep. and out the house for their yep. log fires and their cooking. They all garden because they're growing their own food. Yep. That's all we're talking about. You don't have to be hitting the gym. Um, so um, just to yeah. – yeah, sorry. I was going to say maybe that's one thing that, you know, you and I maybe need to do a bit more uh, – promotions the word that's coming to mind but I, I don't mean that but sort of more writing about it and more sharing of our experiences and how we we do retain a fitness whether it's yeah. you know a fitness level that you can run the next marathon and yes I will be yeah. one of those who shoot you when you say you're going to um, <laughs> I will join that crowd okay yeah. um you know, it doesn't matter what the fitness is for. I mean, if, if I go back and I look at my own experience, I mean, I can remember in the 80s having had a fairly serious spine op, being told to, to stay fit, not yeah. being told to go to the gym, not being told to do this. I was given a list of things I wasn't allowed to do because of the damage to my spine, but I was never yeah. given a list of things that I had to do. And, of course, having lived in places like Malawi and and you know, educated in places like South Africa and lived in, in Portugal, in Madeira. The beaches are fantastic. And I mean, you know, the walking environments around us here in France. And even yeah. when I lived in the UK, I mean, I lived in Kent, so we had some brilliant beaches and some fantastic walking. Mm -hmm. If if somebody just suddenly thought, you know, Saturday morning instead of going to town, why don't I just go and do an hour meandering on a beach or, or an hour strolling through? And mm -hmm. it always brings to mind the fact that you started up this um, program, Walk As You Talk, because mm -hmm. that will encourage people, you know, to do a concertive period of effort for three, four, five days, whatever the program is. Yeah. But yeah. then surely that would motivate them to, to carry on doing that later. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm totally with you and that's why I set up Walk As You Talk and that's why I trained as a, a Nordic walking instructor because having run a couple of marathons, for me, uh, with my uh, back issues, I just didn't see, and, and the time issues, I just didn't see actually, much as I like long distance running, it perhaps isn't the only option. Uh, so I've, I've become open to other things, less extreme, like walking. And the Nordic walking takes it up a level where it is very physical, like skiing almost. Um, but the thing is, Barbara, you said meandering and strolling. That's when I don't think walking is considered exercise. Yes, we're moving, and that's important. And I will touch on the three different types of exercise. Um, but it's not enough to get your heart rate elevated for 30 minutes a day. So you do need that power walking, the, the walking on the hills. And you're going to know this in the next couple of weeks when your puppy arrives. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of energy uh, in burning the beans of a puppy, particularly a border collie. So you, by definition, your walking is going to take on a whole new meaning. So no, I just I, want I, to... I, I know where yeah. you're coming from, but also yeah. think about a lot of people who, who are coming out of this... Um, you know, who are not doing activity and not doing exercise, mm. and maybe coming out mm. of and being classified today as a couch potato. I mean, yeah. to start off, a meander along the beach will really get them going because they'll come back from that. Their heart rate will be up. Absolutely, uh, if that's a start point for them. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I, th I think, you know, without sort of, you know, discouraging people, mm. um, you know, and it comes back to another question that I had that sort of says, you know, why does this fitness thing have to be perceived to be such hard work? You know, if, mm. if I'm talking to one of my clients and they say, oh, I want to start exercising, I'll talk to them about um, my experiences um, of meandering along a beach, you know, when I hadn't done any exercise for a few years because of my mm. job and the way I used to travel and all of that challenge around client expectations. And suddenly that very first walk, and I can remember walking down Canberra Beach in Kent, which is beautifully long, uh, and getting back into the car thinking, my God, I'm exhausted. But it mm -hmm. was a great place to be because the beach is fantastic. The environment is incredible. You know, being out in that fresh air and that open air, um, mm. you know, did two things to me. I mean, it exhausted me physically, but it raised my mental levels. Mm-hmm. 
to the point where it encouraged me to come back and do it again and again and again and again and um gradually you know but but if I'd done a power walk along that beach or along one of the walks in Kent to start with I would have done another one no no (laughs) and that's a very interesting point that having been on the Nordic walking instructor course they did actually say to us you know if you're gung-ho you're going to put a lot of your clients off you've got to recognize we're all at different ages different fitness different shapes etc and if you're this super fit person uh, Mr. Motivator jumping up and down with your Nordic ski poles (laughs) saying you know stretch yourself you can go faster you can go harder then half your class will disappear the next week so I totally buy that that it Mm. doesn't have to be hard work there are three types of exercise Barbara there's Mm. um, contracting um, stretching and aerobic so just very quickly to give some benefits of each because different things will appeal to different people although particularly you know 50 60 years plus we do need a balance of all three so contracting it builds strength and endurance so it's all about uh, resistance now this is particularly key for people who have got osteoporosis uh, which doesn't actually only affect the elderly it can happen at any age so things like uh, crunchies and six packs now that might seem like hard work but resistance you could just simply put both palms flat on the wall and push Mm. so we need that to build our strength and endurance second is stretching which is possibly the most important range of exercise that we can do and obviously is a prelude uh, to other forms of exercise as well because it warms up the muscles before a particular exercise now scientific research is out as far as I'm concerned on whether stretching is essential because just as you read uh, some coaches say that you know stretching is very important before and after exercise there are other coaches who say you know you don't need it Um, but it does seem to depend on the activity and the sex of the participant so it's very confusing I think you've just got you know do what you do uh, that works best for you um, I didn't tend to stretch and, uh, and do any of that for for my marathon running whereas my father who's a lifelong athlete swears by it but stretching is the, probably the easiest form of full body exercise any of us can do now you know it happens when we wake up in the morning we lie in bed and we stretch we're like cats we stretch as we're yawning uh, we stretch when we're tired we you know if we're sat at the desk and we're um, you know we're slouched over then we give ourselves a stretch so it's a natural thing for us to do even reflexologists stretches out our limbs you know our toes our ankles etc and it releases tension makes us feel calm and balanced and supple not least it improves our posture and then the third one is aerobic and I think that is where the perception particularly about it's hard work it's not fun uh, because gyms have risen in popularity particularly in, in the UK and the States so they're filling a gap um, for the people who don't have any aerobic activity of course we do living in the rural countryside um, so uh, you can supplement that with things like uh, walking, gardening, moving bales of hay, moving your five tons of logs that have arrived for the winter, <laughs> etc. You know, any of those things give you a good supply of fresh oxygen, which oxygenate your blood, gets the stale uh, air out of your lungs, which actually makes us feel tired, improves our circulation. So therefore, it keeps us warm. You know that is very important when you're living rurally in the winter that you have some control over your body temperature um, it builds our capacity for lungs very important if you're suffering with eczema uh, sorry asthma mm. and obviously builds a stronger heart um, and not least it improves people's um, medical uh, mental conditions you know you're less likely to need antidepressants and things like that if you're moving the toxins out of the body so those are the three types of exercises and we all need a balance of those but I think it's the aerobic that's really given exercise a bad name so if we can reframe it to keeping fit working out um, and those types of words then it will help so one of the tools and I know that we've talked about this before is the wheel of life we can use the wheel of life Uh, to list all our topics that cover um, physical and mental fitness so things like weight management 
keeping physically fit, maybe including diet and how we fuel ourselves, particularly if we are going to take up another activity. Uh, maybe we want increased energy, quality sleep, balanced hormones. You said that when you went walking on the beach, you know, you were exhausted, but you felt fantastic afterwards. You probably slept better. So it's about creating some fun as well. It doesn't have to be painful, you know, like like we used to say, the Jane Fonda thing, no pain, no gain, all of that I think has gone. Yeah. It's about having fun. But it's also coming up to the summer about improving body image. You know, we're, we're fashion conscious. We want to strip off, get some natural vitamin D. So we can prioritize uh, all the things that we want in a wheel of life. And I know you're great at managing our website and giving these tools to um, our listeners. But it will help them set new targets for themselves. So the next thing when I'm working with clients is to think about, well, what are those activities? So let's create a plan A and a plan B. It takes the thinking out of the process. The more you have to think about it, the more your self-saboteur inside, your little gremlin is going to tell you, you haven't got time, you know, uh, there's something better to do, the weeding or the, the dishes suddenly looks very appealing. So having a plan A, you know, it's outside, sun's shining, you can do X, Y, and Z. Plan B, it's raining, so what can you do instead? You can use a rebounder, you can do hula hoop, whatever. You can say to yourself, you're just going to vigorously uh, attack the housework. So it doesn't have to be um, exercise per se. You could say, I'm going to do the housework at double the speed I'd normally do it to get my heart racing, get my blood pressure up, and feel like it's a workout. So having this variety minimizes boredom. Uh, again, it's a big self-saboteur. People stop their activities within three weeks because they're sick to death of running, sick to death of lifting weights, sick to death of cycling at the gym. It's because they need variety. We naturally are programmed to enjoy lots of different things. But it also minimizes injury if you do lots of different things. So make a list of your activities, plan A activities, plan B activities that motivate you and bring in fun. So my Hello. top tip... Yeah, I was going to say, can I just add something to that? Because mm. it, was, it was really interesting. I mean, I grew up um, and pr could practically swim before I could walk because, mm. you know, swimming was just one of those things that, that um, we had such an advantage and such an opportunity to do. And I can remember, you know, years ago, I, I traveled a lot for work, I used to get on a plane on a Monday morning, I used to come back to the UK on a Friday evening, you know, be at home for two days and all the stuff that had to get done in that, plus the social life. And I can remember always trying to book into a hotel that had a swimming pool, because I love my swimming. Uh, and of course, swimming is one of those exercises that a lot of people will tell you exercises every muscle in the body, mm -hmm. um, because the weight of the water allows that activity to happen. But it, it can be tiring if you haven't done it for a while. And I can remember going out to Madeira with a friend um, on one occasion just after we'd bought the house out there um, to have a look at progress and talk to builders and all that sort of stuff. But she came with me because we then decided to take a few days off and just enjoy the sun. I think we were having sort of a, a wonderfully wet period in Kent. And I can remember sitting on one of the beaches in Galeta and she said to me, you're going to go for a swim? And I said, yeah. Where? She said, where are you going to swim? I said, I'm going to swim over to the other beach. And it's like a little harbour that's been created for swimmers. And there's two beaches, one from not far from a hotel and one a public one that's, that's near a cafe. And she said, are you not going to do that? And I said, I am. And I got back swimming probably something like a kilometre, kilometre and a half. It wasn't particularly a long stretch. Um, and I got back and she said, you look really good. And I said, you know, one of the things that we forget is that being outside raises the mind, raises the mental activities. You're in the fresh air. You're seeing the colors. You're seeing the light. And whether mm -hmm. consciously you know that or unconsciously you're just picking it up, it's one of the things that we should always do. And it, it's, it's always great when you look at, you know, what clients put on lists like this, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. What can I do when it's sunny? What can I do when it's, mm -hmm. when it's not so sunny? What can I do when, you know, all of these things. Yeah. But I think one of the things that, that we ought to encourage people to do is to get outside because it's going to raise their mental fitness as well, whether they yeah. realize it or not. And, you know, you were talking about the mind-body-spirit connection. Well, 
in all fairness, in a lot of the work that I do, if the mind is fit, if the mind is active and the yeah. mind is positive, the connection will happen and make the body positive, fit, looking at yeah. things, uh, you know, it will make it active. So also a lot of it is is also making sure that we are not, and maybe this is the one of the challenges I have with the gym. I have this perception of being in a dark room under electric lights, cycling on a bicycle, going nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that expensive to buy a bicycle. And on those good days, go down to the towpath or, or find a, a park in, in the middle of London or the middle of Johannesburg. You know, the, the, these cities have all got parks. And get on that bicycle. And even mm -hmm. if you only do 200 yards, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's a start. Yeah. But, but yeah. you're doing two things. You're looking at the physical side, which obviously is, is a lot of what you've been talking about recently, you know, in this mm -hmm. call. But I'm now looking at it from the mental side because if you can mentally get out there and get into the fresh air, as, as fresh as it can be in places like London. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but get out into the air. Don't do all these exercises indoors. And, you know, I used to, when I first started working in Malawi, it was a fantastic experience. It's just coming back to me now. I used to go to work, get dropped off by my dad, uh, go into the office, and we had a rainy period. And when I'm talking rain, I'm talking heavy, heavy, short periods of rain. Right. And I often used to get caught in the rain walking home for lunch. And I loved it because that's water just cascading down over you. It's a natural product. Um, okay, I appreciate that there's a lot of people that say it has chemicals in it, it has dirt in it. It doesn't matter. You know, don't think about the rain as being a, a block. Think about the rain as giving you something positive. And I used to get home at lunchtime and my mother used to say, you're drenched. And I'd say, yeah, and I can towel off. I can dry my hair. I can yeah. put the makeup on again. I can put another dress on and go back to work this afternoon. It doesn't matter. It's not important. But I used to remember that water running down my face and running down my hair. And I have waist-length waist hair, so, you know, drying it's a challenge. But I can remember the, the positive feeling of it, not the, oh, my God, I'm getting wet feeling. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we're doing these exercises, don't we also have to look at, it doesn't matter. I mean, you talked about, you know, training for the marathon in the snow, and you loved it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that there's six foot of snow out there. It doesn't matter that it's pouring with rain. Be safe when yeah. you're doing it. But yeah. think about exercises you can do at that time too. Mm -hmm. And I guess um... – well, that kind of leads me on to my top tip because we know as coaches that willpower alone is not enough. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many clients coming to us with this. You can have the, the, the best of intentions like we do at our New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And we rely on willpower to say we are going to get fit. It just doesn't happen. Willpower alone will not last. So one of the things that... Um, that I use, uh, as well as the, the Wheel of Life for helping me align my goals to my values, is I, I would set up a color-coordinated um, daily activity log. So this records how many times a week, uh, which activity, so whether it's a plan A activity, a plan B activity, how long I did it for, who did I do it with, because actually having a buddy is very important for me. I, I'm quite a social animal, um, and unless I'm running, I, I, you know, which I prefer to do on my own, then I do prefer to do you know, circuit training or badminton or, or whatever with other people. So. Also, it gives you a chance to record how you felt because you feel, like you said, you know, you feel fantastic because you've been mm -hmm. out in, in all the elements. There's a gratitude of being able to put one foot in front of the other, to breathe um, and to be at one with nature. So recording how you feel is actually quite important on your daily log because those days where you think, oh, my willpower's waning, I don't know if I can do that, you can look at your list of benefits like, you know, I've been sleeping better the last two or three nights. Mm, is that because for the last two or three days I consistently worked out, etc.? So that helps you build in that accountability to yourself. You've made an appointment with yourself. You know, and you can see at a glance if 
there's more than one or two you know days where there are gaps in your log and you don't do anything because it takes 21 days on average to break a, a habit longer if it's something you know like me who resisted up until my nearly 50s to do anything so it took me probably about four months to actually turn this around and, and crack this habit um, and then you can build in a reward system. So by staying on target, you know, you can treat yourself to a colorful new workout gear because, uh, and I know this is an area you specialize in as well, Barbara, color is very important for yeah. me. I would go out and, and instead of wearing my black uh, workout gear, I would start to think, yeah, I feel more toned. I feel sexier. I feel more alive. I want to bring in color. So I'd start buying pinks and purples, which are much more energetic colors. So you know, having the, that system of accountability with yourself, seeing at a glance, because I think one of the things is when you start this, you want to have a, a contract with yourself. What is non-negotiable? Now, if for you, it's one day a week, I'm going to put my trainers on, go to the bottom of the hill and to the white gate at the junction and turn around. And then, you know, the next month is I'm going to do that plus jog every two or three minutes. You only have to do it once a week and then build it up and build it up while it's still enjoyable. If you say to yourself, I'm going from, I do nothing, I'm a couch potato person, I'm going to start working out tomorrow every day, five or six or seven times a week for an hour, you're going to set yourself up to fail. Yep. So do it gently building that accountability, make it fun, reward what you do, and just enjoy those benefits. And notice what you notice about the quality of your sleep, the quality of your energy, etc. So definitely there's that strong mind-body connection. Exercise is, makes us healthier, but by definition, being healthier makes us happier, healthier, com more confident people to be around, doesn't it? Well, it, it does. And I mean, that's why, you know, when I first started uh when I stopped traveling to the extent I did and I first started going down to the beach, the meandering was important because yeah. I wasn't, I was out there. I wasn't thinking about, it was really interesting because it came from being mentally fit rather than physically fit, but it came yeah. from, you know, Hey, I don't have to rush around on a Saturday and, and do all of this. I don't have to rush around on a Sunday and then get a plane back. It came from, I had time. And, you know, I still had all the things to do. I still worked Monday to Friday. So it wasn't like I, I didn't. But because I was more based at home and I had a few evenings in which I could do things, suddenly I had a feeling of freedom that I could actually go and walk on the beach. Now, I mean, Canberra for me was a good 40-minute drive. So I used to drive down to Canberra. But why did I choose that? I chose it because it's it's just such a fantastic environment. And mm. it was also an environment that I knew I would do again and again. Whereas if somebody had said to me, you know, you could have walked out your front door, turned right, gone to the end of the street, and within 500 meters you could be work, walking through um, a forest. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't have the same appeal to me. So I think one of the things that's also interesting is, is when you are thinking about how do I start this, whether you're a catch potato, classified as catch potato, or just somebody who's thinking, oh, maybe I should do a bit more for myself. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're coming from. Mm. It, I think, and from my personal experience, um, and I don't have the drive to, to, to be fit like you do, Dawn. I, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm just not one of those people who feels that I, mm. I need to do it. But I do know mm. from my own, own personal experience that it raised my level of mental fitness when I was doing something physical, but it yeah. also raised my level of enjoyment of life because mentally suddenly I'm looking at things differently. I'm feeling different. I'm feeling better about life. Whether I knew mm -hmm. that or not, it didn't matter. But I, I know from my own perspective that choosing that right place to start was the key to my success. Yeah. And, you know, if I'd, if I'd walked through a forest, I'm a person who adores swimming. I'm a person who adores the beach. I love the water. You know, and I'll actually go and do meditation with water around me. I really do adore that environment. Because I know that going down to the beach was the right thing to do. But also I knew, you know, unconsciously aware, as, as I talk about in a lot of my writing, um, I was unconsciously aware of the fact that if I'd done that power walking, 
I'd never have gone back. If I meander along the beach for a couple of hours, I'll do it again. And that's a very important lesson for me, actually. I mean, we are—we have so many differences, and yet we've been friends for years. And I think it's Absolutely. a valuable lesson that, um, you know, both of those types of exercise have their place. Uh, and it will be good Absolutely. for me to remember that when I'm taking my clients out <laughs> Nordic walking particularly, that not everybody uh, wants to be pushed. Some people just want to enjoy, and this is why I think Nordic walking is really taking off. I, I didn't know very much about it before I did the course, but listening to the different people there, some people are doing it just for the social aspect, Barbara, you know, get yeah. out the house and be with like-minded people, enjoy the uh, scenery, whether it's Hyde Park or, or somewhere else in England. Um, okay. Other people are doing it because they need to build up their fitness because maybe they've had an injury. Um, and then there are other people who are in between marathons and just see it as, you know, building variety into um, their regime. But interestingly, there's also a growing movement of people who are like 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're using it to improve their mental health issues. It's not going to uh, necessarily cure certain issues, but it can stop and arrest things like Alzheimer's. There's a lot of proof um, at the moment that walking is very beneficial for people with Alzheimer's. And you know, it's it's really interesting because I grew up with a father who used to go running every morning. Mm. He sat in an office, um, you know, for most of the day, didn't really get out. And he made the, the effort at 5.30 in the morning, he put on his running gear and he'd go and do however miles he wanted to do. Mm. And he's in his mid-80s now. And, you know, every morning he goes out walking because he can't do the running, but he still goes out and he still does that walking. Sadly, my mother um, isn't able to join him every day anymore, but she still gets into the garden and she still does physically what she, she can actually do. But one of the things that I learned, and I, I learned this recently, and I think this will probably help your walk as you talk group, Storm, mm. is that I learned that you can meditate when you walk. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. People assume that meditation has to be done uh, sitting in, you know, Buddha pose or mm -hmm. yoga pose and you have to yeah. be sitting with your back upright and you have to be doing this and you have to be doing that. But, you know, you don't. And one of the things that meditation does is it is it releases the panic and the concerns and the worries that are going on in your unconscious mind and it frees yeah. them up. And, you know, we talked a lot about physical fitness, but there's that mental fitness side as well that is really key as, as well. Yeah. And I can remember another fantastic experience that I didn't know you could do this until you do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, Dawn talks about uh, becoming aware, doing this, this daily activity log, and it's really uh, important to become aware of every element. I can remember the first time I went out to Madeira on my own. And um, the estate agent we were using had put me into a an apartment in a village, nowhere near, you know, a restaurants, nowhere near uh, the major cities. And I was in this apartment and I thought, oh, do I go for a walk on the beach? You know, do I do this? Do I do that? And I'm a fantastic person for plugging my ear, my, my headset in, connecting it to my mobile phone, which has hours of music on it, all sorts of varieties of music. Um, putting my mobile phone in my pocket and going for a walk. So I stripped off, you know, my winter gear from the UK, put on a strappy T-shirt, put on some jeans, uh, flip-flops because I walk in my flip-flops. I don't have walking mm. boots and things like that. Sorry, mm. I'm probably the wrong person to be talking about this because <laughs> I am the other end of the scale from you, Dawn. Yeah. Um, plugging in my music. And I must have spent, like, you know, an hour and a half just walking down this promenade, listening to my mm -hmm. music, Going into my own world, meditating, let my mind calm down, throwing away all those, you know, negative thoughts, all those panic thoughts that were going on. It didn't matter what was happening or not happening at home and that sort of thing. And I can actually remember coming back feeling, you know, this is a fantastic way to to actually raise your level of fitness. I wouldn't say get fit, but raise your level of fitness. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I was living in the apartment in Madeira and I was, again, I was on my own and I was in a village. I knew a lot of people in the village by that stage. The idea of just getting out the apartment, um, walking 
downstairs because I was on the first floor and just walking down to this promenade, you know, music in, in, in plugged in. And the village got to know me as that, you know, that <laughs> that English lady who always has a mobile phone plugged in um, mm. and being able to just meditate and, and, you know, calm everything down. So not only was I doing the physical fitness and raising my levels of fitness. No, I wouldn't say it was getting fit. And I, I agree with that. But it was getting that first step, you know, to become a normal habit and, and to changing the, oh, you know, it's a bit of a hard work to to actually getting out there and getting into the sun and getting the vitamin D, but also getting the exercise and raising the heart, but also meditating and also raising the fitness of my mind. It, it, it wraps up. And I think one of the important things is, you know, people need to be encouraged to maybe to go on your walk as you talk uh, events so they can understand how they can develop it for themselves and how they can do it moving forward. Yeah. Well, of course, runners are big meditators. Uh, and I know it's not yeah. a, 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 an exercise that you take up, but I read a great book when I was learning, because I, I said to you one of the things I did was wanted to be educated and inspired by other runners. I read Running with the Mind of Meditation, Lessons for Training the Body and the Mind, and it was by a, a Buddhist monk. So running is definitely uh, plays a big part um, of, of meditation, and you're absolutely right. The walking meditation, which is incredibly slow will be something that I build into it but again yeah. like meditation self-sabotage rears its ugly head because to meditate you're exercising your mind muscles otherwise it, it controls you so it's hard work to take to the cushion and exercise those mind muscles and we can find all sorts of reasons not to yeah. do it yeah the benefits are the same or, or very similar to, to physical exercise in terms of being able to switch off, have that clarity, um, get rid of anxiety, de-stress, um, tap into your creativity. So I, I don't think there's any doubt that whether you're exercising your mind or exercising your body, these are two things that fundamentally probably are the most important things to having an old age that is disease-free and enjoying some longevity because it's not about you know just having a long life it's having quality of life and Absolutely. whether it's physical or mental preferably both that is going to help you in your old age and you know the interesting thing is this leads me on to next month's show yeah because next month we're actually going to be talking about decluttering Oh, another favourite of my subject. Absolutely. <laughs> another thing that you're such experienced at and I just don't do. Um, but, you know, spring cleaning. Really? Are you a hoarder, Barbara? <laughs> you know that, Dawn. How many books <laughs> have I got? You know, over a thousand in my library now, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm the queen of decluttering, I know. I know, I know. But actually, you know, for me, the, the whole thing is interesting because we were talking about spring cleaning your environment helps you spring clean mm. your mind by yes. freeing up your creative space for creativity and a lot more. But obviously, mm. there's a great connection here because the spring cleaning and actually the going through the physical activity and the mental activity of decluttering mm. will raise your levels of fitness. So, mm -hmm. you know... Which on the 23rd of May, 7 o'clock UK time, as always, come back mm -hmm. and listen to us talking to you about decluttering, but mm -hmm. thinking about how the decluttering will also help you raise your levels of fitness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just uh, a little uh, call to action for those listeners who do want to be committed or raise their level of commitment to um, keeping particularly physically fit, although we do talk about um, the, the mental side as well, they can go to www.walkasyoutalk.com and you have the choice of downloading uh, one of two complimentary ebooks, uh, Walking for uh, the Benefits of Health or Get Out of the Office and De-Stress. Both of them talk about the physical and mental aspects of uh, becoming fit. So there's some free ebooks uh, for listeners to download. 
Um, and of course, you can look up the events and join us. And the next one is in Provence at the end of May. So hopefully, some of those uh, walkers who would like to get off their bottoms and out of the office and de-stress and learn um, from being around like-minded people how to work um, on their business instead of being trapped in it. Or if you're at home and you're feeling, you know, you've got weight issues, weight management issues and lethargy and perhaps some niggling health issues, come along and, and join us and, and get fit without even really realizing, you know, you're out walking that that is what's happening. You're getting fitter and healthier. I hope people do actually join you. And on that note, thank you for everyone who's listened to us. Dawn and I are now going to say goodbye because we are going to go out there and do something to keep the fitness levels going. <laughs> I know me, yep. I'm going into the vegetable patch to clear out some more stuff. Um, but we look forward to seeing you or, or listen, letting you, you know, hear us um, discuss decluttering. And as I said, it's Saturday the 23rd of May. Um, 7 a.m. UK time as always when our show goes out. Please don't forget to drop us your questions, drop us any uh, comments you'd like to make. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you from me and I'll talk to you then. Thank you.